I'd love it if you turn in your Bibles to um, the book of Revelation and chapter 21. That's, if you're not familiar with the Bible, uh, just turn right, as far right as you can go in your Bible, and you'll get to a place called Maps as a book. And then you go left or concordance. And then you go left, and the next thing you hit is a thing called Revelation. And it's the last book in the Bible, and we've been studying through it. Um, uh, because we believe that God's Word is living and active, by which I mean it's going to change your life. If you truly engage with the Word of God, it's going to change the way you think. And the way you think will change the way you feel, and the way you feel will change the way you act, and the way you act will have consequences for your life. And so therefore, we believe that this word is really important. And we, we try and do all we can to make it as helpful and as relevant and as understandable to everybody so that we can begin to be people who not only hear the word of God, but live the word of God. And so Revelation 21 and 22 once again, it's a huge chunk that we're cutting off, um, and we're coming to the end. This is the final uh, in, in a series that we've called Signs, Sign of the Times, and I've been tempted all the time to sing a song, but I've resisted, and you'll be thankful to know that I'm going to continue to resist. But it's based on the understanding that this world is shaking, like radically shaking, and is shaken, radically shaken right now. Yesterday's certainties have become today's insecurities. What we, we, we banked our life on yesterday, financial systems and political systems and old alliances and ways of thinking, now no longer make sense according to today's realities. And then we have choices, and the choice is, are we going to cling on to yesterday's realities and hope that somehow everything's going to flip, or are we going to find new realities and new ways of, of thinking? And what we've been trying to say is, what does God have to say about this? Why is this all shaking? And we've been trying to do some hard thinking around this stuff. You know, I'm, I, I'm glad some of my French friends are, are here because uh, Etienne and Peggy have been with us for a year. And uh, they're going back in a couple of weeks to plant a church in Nice. And it's been wonderful to have them. But I, I need to apologize to you that I'm totally ashamed of my lack of French. You know, they, these guys speak incredible English. I studied French for seven years at school. And, and when I go to France, I just speak really loudly English in a French accent. <laughs> Can you tell me how to get to the post office? <laughs> Sylvie Play is, is what I do. And I, I remember, I remember like four or five things I remember vividly. Uh, that my, my school teacher making us all stand on desks and go, Mon, ma, me, ton, ta, te, son, sa, se, notre, notre, no, votre, votre, vos, le, 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 with an S. I just, I have no idea what that means. I absolutely no idea what that means, but I know it's French. And, and I think sometimes as Christians and as Christian leaders, we get a little bit like that. We don't really know what we believe or what we're hoping for, but we got the jargon. You know, everything's shaking, but we're going to heaven. And what it, but what do you mean by heaven? What do we mean by that? But we've got hope. This world hasn't got hope. We've got, well, what do you mean by hope? What are you standing the weight of your life on? And we haven't got answers to, to the questions people are asking, and we haven't even got answers for our own hearts and our lives, and therefore we're just as hopeless as everybody else is hopeless because we don't really know what we believe and what we 
what we think. And so this series. And we've predicated on the understanding that perhaps this world is shaking, not because of anything any current philosophical thinker is thinking, but as a compound effect of generations after generations after generations of people who decided to live according to an individual design rather than the original design. The world is shaking not not because we're making bad decisions right now, but because we've always made bad decisions because our forefathers made bad decisions. They said, we don't need to live according to the designer, according to the world designer. We're going to live according to our own design and our own idea and our own plan. And then the next generation said, well, we, we, we like to live according to that design. And the next generation says, well, we'll live according to that design. And we never meant to do it, but what happens is we moved a million miles away from the way the creator of the universe designed us to live our lives and the world is in a mess and the world doesn't know how to get out of the mess and the world is hopeless and so it tries to have hope but it's a different kind of hope than the kind of hope that you and I sing about or the kind of hope that you and I read about at best we hope to raise money for the victims of the shaking, which is a good thing. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll fight foreign wars to secure our borders. Maybe we'll increase the money for our armed services. Maybe we'll develop drugs for our diseases and therapies and processes for our issues and prevention programs for our kids. And it's kind of hopeful, but it's not hope, is it? It's the kind of hope that I have about Arsenal Football Club. It is, you know, hopefully next season Arsenal might buy a few players and do really well and win the Premier League title. And I'll say I hope that. I don't really believe it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm hopeful for it. Hopefully the Lions will do really well next Saturday and and, and come up with a team that can beat the All Blacks. I don't actually believe it's going to happen, but I hope in my heart that it might happen. It's a very different kind of hope, isn't it? The kind of hope that we're talking about when we hope in Jesus, when we hope in God, when we hope in the plans of God, when we hope in the original design by the original designer is the kind of hope that I can stand the weight of my life on. The kind of hope that says, this is a certain reality. This is absolute truth. This is going to happen. It's a very, very different thing. What are you hoping in? What are you hoping for? What's, what's, your, what's your hope? And I guess I want to say the Christian answer often has been heaven. And by heaven, I think often we've meant some ethereal place that we don't really know how to describe. With some enigmatic reality where God and his chubby angel fellows who serve him on clouds hang out in this kind of 27 24-7 church gathering thing with good, good father on loop and, 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 and we call it heaven. Actually, sounds like the other place to me, but, you know, just kind of eternal, same song on repeat when we're doing the, do you know, I, but I, I, I think sometimes that's what we think of heaven. We think we're getting out of here. We're going to escape this world. 
The world will soon dissolve like snow. We, we, we have, most of our theology is based on our hymns, not on, not on our theology, not on the Bible. We're going to get out of here somehow, escape this world, and it's going to be lovely, and everything's going to be beautiful, and everyone's going to be nice to everybody, and, and there will be some angels around, and we'll sing songs of worship to Jesus. Really? Heaven for the church is often seen as a coping mechanism, a philosophy that gets us through. In other words, you're going to have some real difficulty in this life. Life is going to suck. Jesus said that. You're going to have your heart ripped apart and the world is going to go to the dogs. But one day we're out of here and it's all going to be good. So onward, Christian soldiers. He's a good, good father and all that kind of stuff. It's going to be great for you. You're just going to be out of here. Heaven helps us endure. And we carry this thought of heaven in our hearts and our minds. And it helps us just hold on, hang tight and hunker down. Till he calls or comes. And my question is this. What if there is more? What if there is more to this hope? What if there is more to this heaven thing? What if there is more than just surviving this life and hoping one day everything's going to get changed and it's going to be okay? What if we're supposed to thrive? What if we're supposed to cooperate with what God is doing right now as a foretaste of what God will be doing in all eternity with us? What if this stuff at its best is just a shadow of what is to come? What if we get to taste this stuff now as well as in the future? And so Revelation 21, God at the climax of, of, of what he is saying about what is going on in this world says something really profound which makes all creation stand up and listen. Not, not because it feels intelligent, but because it's the one thing our hearts are longing to hear. It's the thing your soul is hanging out for. He says this, Behold, I am making all things Behold, I am making all things new. God is saying, do you know what? Not, it's not just that I'm drawing a line on this world. I'm fixing everything in this world. I'm sorting out this world. And the picture that we have in this passage of Scripture is so beautiful. And it tells us not only of the fact that God has won and he sits on the throne and that love has won. It also shows us how we should posture ourselves towards these times and what's happening. So, so I'm going to read. I'm going to do something a bit different. I'm going to read more than I would usually read. And we're going to listen. We're going to listen. And I hope that we would listen with our hearts. Because this is beautiful poetry with profound truth. Revelation chapter 21, this is the end game. We've had judgment, it's been pretty horrendous. Preaching it last week was pretty horrendous, brutal. Revelation 21, it's going to be interesting because I didn't bring my glasses, small print, and the lights are dim. I'll try and make it accurate. Here we go. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. 
he will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. And then I want you to read from verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into the glory and the honor of the nations. For nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. Isn't that a beautiful description? The angel showed me the river of the, be- of the, uh, of the water of life, bright as crystal. <laughs> I've got competition. <laughs> Flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. And also on other side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever. And And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just invite you. We believe this is your word. And we are your people. So speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Help us be doers of your word, believers of your word, and doers of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus says, Behold, I am making all things new. And Jesus is saying, Hey, listen, my posture when I first came, My posture when I first came was that I would be a restorer of all things. I I, I said to you and I showed to you that I wasn't going to be a separator. I wasn't going to be one of these guys like the Pharisees and and, and the Essenes who separated themselves off and said, we have to be holy and pure and therefore we're going to be better than you and we're going to be separate off. And I I certainly also wasn't going to be one of those blenders. 
one of those people that just blended into society and was no use to society. I wasn't going to be a Sadducee and I wasn't going to be a Herodian. There was something very different about me. I was a restorer and I was deliberately provocative and I deliberately evidenced the kingdom of God. My, my manifesto was, was given in Nazareth. The blind will see, the lame will walk. The poor will have good news preached to them. I, I came as a restorer and it nearly got me killed and then it got me killed. Do you not think that when I come again, I'm going to finish the job? <laughs> do, you, do you not think that when I come again in all of my glory, when I come to wrap everything up and sort everything out, I'm going to finish the job? Everything, everything that got broken and damaged at the beginning gets sorted and healed and mended and fixed at the end. That's the deal. That's the whole bookend deal of the scriptures. Everything, everything that got messed up in the garden gets sorted in the city. And that's what we're supposed to see in this passage of scripture. John chapter, sorry, verse, chapter, verse 1 of Revelation 21. John sees a new heaven and a new earth. And what he sees is, is, is our world and our universe rejuvenated and transformed. The God who first spoke the world into existence is going to make the world new again. And it's beautiful. And it's going to be perfect. It's going to get fixed. In other words, he's saying, we broke it, but he's going to fix it. He's going to, can you get your head around that? Everything that we broke, he's going to fix. Everything that we busted up, He's going to sort out everything that's diseased and smashed. He's going to mend and he's going to, he's going to heal. Creation itself will be free from its bondage, says Paul in Romans chapter 8. What would that look like? He says there'll be no more sea. And some of you say, that sucks. Because I like the sea. No more beach holidays for me in heaven. <laughs> Or no more walks with a Springer Spaniel on the beach or whatever. But, but, but we misunderstand from our very modern perspective. Back in the day, the sea was the symbol of chaos and of danger and of separation and of fear. Because attacks came from the sea. And, 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 what, and what God is saying is there will be no more chaos and there'll be no more danger and there'll be no more fear, and there'll be no more separation in this new reality when there's a new heaven and a new earth. But there is something more profound. Everything that was broken in the garden gets mended in the city. Everything, what got broken in the garden? What got broken in the garden was relationship. That's what got broken in the garden. Our relationship with God got broken in the garden when we rebelled. Our relationship with one another got broken in the garden as a consequence. Our relationship with ourselves got broken in the garden. We were no longer comfortable in our own skin. And our relationship with creation got broken in the garden because we were out of step with the creator. So the whole thing that gets broken in the garden is our relationships. And God says, that's why heaven is a city, not a rural idol. Because a city is a place of relationship. A city is a place of people. That's, that's why heaven is not a garden. That's why heaven isn't, isn't a country pile. That's why you haven't got sheep and goats and all that kind of... That's why heaven is a city. Because God is restoring all relationships back to their original design. That's what he's doing. God, who is love, 
and operates in grace and is trying to get you with his kindness is about to restore all the broken parts of every relationship that you've ever had. That's what it means. Your relationships with one another. I don't know, maybe, maybe you just have great relationships with people. But, but if you were to look into my life, you would see some broken relationships. You'd see some people that you've, have hurt me. And you'd see people that I've hurt. You see some people that I avoid. And you'll see some people that I actually physically run away from. <laughs> Mostly my children. You'll see. <laughs> but there, there, are, there are relationships that are busted in all of our lives because we're a broken people and we've been hurt. God is saying, no, I'm going to make all things new. Look at verse 4. There will be no more mourning. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. Every tear of regret, every tear of broken promises. What was taken from you, the things that should never have been done to you, the tears of loneliness, the tears of secret anguish, the tears of anxiety. One day, Jesus is going to make it all right. So much so that you won't even remember the stuff that upset you in the first place because that's what he's doing in his perfection. There'll be no more pain, which means there will be no more divorce. There'll be no more infidelity. And you won't even remember the infidelity because God will wipe it away, wipe every tear. It won't be there. There'll be no more separations. There'll be no more abuse. Look at Revelation 22, verse 5. There'll be no more night. I don't know how many of you like sleep. But there is a suggestion there might not even be sleep. I'm just saying. I don't know. Maybe there is sleep. Maybe it's great sleep. But those of you who love duvets, you can have your sleep. But, but here's the deal. The, the reason there's no more night is because night was a time of terror. Because you couldn't be sure what would happen in the night. The gates are never locked because there's nobody to fear and there is no night. There's nothing to fear in the fullness of the kingdom of God. Our relationships will be perfected. Our relationship with ourselves. Look at verse 3. We will be his people and he will be our God. The primary identity that will be f- you'll be full of is that you are sons and daughters of God, not servants or slaves. Your role, not your roles or your bank balances or your dress size or your titles or what someone once said over you that hurt you badly and stayed with you. There will be total and absolute security in our hearts in this kingdom of heaven and our hearts and our minds will be healed. We will feel no more anxiety There'll be no more anxiety. There'll be no more expectations that come from anybody else apart from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There'll be no more anxiety in your heart and your life. And teenage girls and teenage boys in the city of God will look in the mirror and they will say, I look great. And there will be no makeup. There will be no makeup. There will be no makeup. Praise Jesus. There will be no more makeup in the kingdom of God. Because you won't need to hide your face or touch up your face or give your face to anybody else because your face will be beautiful and God will think it's beautiful and you will think it's beautiful and everyone else will think that it is 
beautiful. There will be no more airbrushing in the kingdom of God. There will be no more magazines that help us compare ourselves with somebody who's been airbrushed or someone who's supposed to be the latest model of perfection in the kingdom of God. And there will be no more agony aunts. (laughs) And healing. Revelation chapter 22 verse 2. The leaves of the trees will be for the healing of the nations. Before they're for the healing of the nations, they'll be for the healing of your heart, for your scars, for your pain, for the things that should never have been done to you and said over you and expected of you that have damaged your heart, from the scars of your fathers and your mothers and your peers They will be totally healed and have no effect in your life ever again. You'll be perfectly at peace with yourself. And you'll be perfectly at peace with creation. Look at Revelation 22. There is this beautiful river that flows. It is crystal clear. There is no pollution in this river. Nothing of the rape of our planet has affected this river. It will yield fruit, 12 different kinds of fruit. I think we're supposed to understand the wholeness of all the fruit of God will be yielded by, and every month there will be no limitation to the fruit that will come. The ozone will have no hole in heaven, and continental plates will have no cracks when there is a new heaven and a new earth, and faults will not earthquake and destroy, and creation will no longer be out of kilter with the creator, and there will be no more war between creation and the people of God. There'll be no more global warming. There won't. Because we will be at peace with God. And God will be at peace with us. And this world will be at peace with God. He is coming. And, and all that because our relationship with Him will be restored. Look at Revelation 22, verse 7. Jesus says, behold, I am coming soon. Implication, we don't necessarily get out of here. He comes here. I understand that there are verses that talk about meeting him in the air, but implication that he is coming to earth to bring a new heaven and a new earth. Heaven, check this out. Heaven is his presence. We will see his face unadulterated, Revelation 22, verses 3 and 4. There'll be no more temple or sun because he will be present with his people totally and completely. We won't need a temple. And his glory and his radiance will be so pure and so perfect. We won't need a sun because he will be at the heart of his people. The dwelling of God is with man. I think that's the key to this. I think that's what God's been trying to do ever since the beginning of time. Presence himself with the people that he's created and the people that he's loved. That's what heaven is all about. Heaven is the perfect, unadulterated, undiminished, undiluted presence of Jesus. That's what heaven is. It doesn't matter whether it's here, there, or everywhere. That's what heaven is. 
His, his rule and his reign and his realm. He is loving and ruling and filling the earth. This is what the kingdom of God is like. Right now, the kingdom of God is opposed, but one day, kingdom of God will be all there is, the total, complete, unadulterated presence of God. That's what he's been doing. Have you worked that out? From the very beginning of time, he said, I want to presence myself with my people. That's why he walks in the garden in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. And then when, they, when Adam and Eve rebel, he's trying to find a people, so he finds Israel. He says, I want to presence myself with my people so that the people of the earth will see what the presence of God looks like. And the people of God rebel against God. And then he says, well, I'll limit myself to a place in the heart of Israel, in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, where one man, one day of every year, can meet the presence of God. There's a flame that is lit. That's why Jesus is so hacked off when he gets to the temple. I think that's, that's why he is. He's mad. That's why he takes a whip. Because people should not be excluded from the presence of God, but something about the way in which we have lived our life and dismissed God has meant that somehow the thing that God wants most is not, a, not able to happen. And that's why when the Holy Spirit comes <coughs> on the heads of all of those followers of Jesus, flames of fire, same flame that's in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, because the presence of God is now with the people of God. And the flame of God is taken into all the earth. And one day, one day, no more sun needed, no more temple needed, because the presence of God has come. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. Now, here's, here's my question. What if... Stay with me. What if what is to come is just in reality the perfection of the glimpses of what we now see? What if what is to come, this relationship with God in heaven, is not something completely other that we've never experienced before, but what if what is to come, this thing that we hope in, this thing that we hope for, is just the perfection of the glimpses of what we currently see of the activity of God? What if that suddenly makes sense of Jesus saying, the kingdom of God is at hand, it's so near you can reach out and touch it? What if that's what we're supposed to believe and that's what we're supposed to live right now? What if every time we see love, genuine love and generosity and self-denial and self-giving, what we're seeing is a little piece of heaven coming? And we go, oh, that's that then. What, what if every time we, 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 we feel security and peace and hope and joy and operate out of these things rather than insecurity, we go, oh, that's a bit of heaven. That's what heaven is going to be like. It's just a little bit. It's a shadow of it. We're not getting the fullness of it. But, but that's a little bit of what heaven is like. What, what if every time we see someone totally forgiven and totally restored and rescued, what if, what if every time we see that we go, that's a piece of heaven because that's what we're going to experience in fullness in heaven. People are totally forgiven. There's no unforgiveness in heaven. What, what if that's what we're supposed to, what if every time we don't buy a plastic bag? <laughs> what if every time we recycle something we actually care about the planet a little bit? What if, what if actually 
Because it, it's not just going to get extinguished. Jesus is coming back and he's going to redeem the whole thing. What if every time we actually care about this place that Jesus cares about, that's just a piece of heaven? Because we will love this place. What if every time we pursue the presence of Jesus? I don't mean, you know, you have to sit in a box for three days and, and, and pray on your knees. But what if every time you recognize the beauty of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, you have a conversation with Jesus, we go, that's a piece of heaven. That's, that's, that's hope. That's, what, that's, that, that's heaven coming. Hope is heaven. That's what it is. Hope is heaven now and heaven to come. Hope is heaven in your hearts. That's what it is. Hope is is you and I saying, we are not going to buy into the systems of this world that bring hopelessness. We're going to buy into the relationship with our God that brings hope. Hope is saying, I'm going to live for something greater, for something more, for something beyond. God is doing something more than saving for a conservatory or getting my kids through college or retiring with enough money to go on a cruise, for goodness sake. We're living heaven now, and we're going to live heaven in all eternity. God is doing something bigger, and every time we're thankful to God, and every time we walk with security and with hope, peace of heaven comes. Hope is heaven in our eyes. Hope hope is every time you see somebody created in the image of God, you recognize that God loves them. That you never meet somebody that God doesn't love, that Jesus didn't die for, that the Holy Spirit isn't actively trying to win. Hope is heaven in your eyes. Hope is, hope is when you see what God is trying to do in this world and you say, I'm not going to create a different plan. I'm just going to cooperate with what God is already doing and get on his team. Hope is heaven in your eyes. Hope is every time. Hope is heaven in your hands and heaven in your feet. Hope is every time you stoop and stop and feed and care. Hope is not just saying one day there will be no more homelessness and one day there will be no more justice because our God is a God of a home and our God is a God of complete justice. Hope is when we get down and dirty and say heaven should be coming now as well as not yet. We better practice. The hope is when we stoop and when we stop and when we serve. Heaven comes. Hope rises. Hope is heaven in our minds. When we say we refuse to be bound in our thinking to the values of this, the kingdoms of this world and we will hope and we will have joy and we will live lives of love and purity and we will not settle for okay or little or less. We will run with the dreams that God has placed in our hearts and we will not accept half dreams because God promised us big dreams and we're going to believe that he has the cattle on a thousand hills and he can, he can pay for everything that he's calling us to because God never calls you to something that he refuses to underwrite. Hope is heaven in our minds. And every time we step out, every time we make a God gap in our lives, every time we say we have a vision that is beyond us and not dependent on us, every time we do that, we hope. 
we hope in what God is doing and what God will do. What if heaven is the perfection of the glimpses of the kingdom of God right now and better and bigger and more magnificent and incredibly wonderful and totally healed and totally restored. I want to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Are you with me? I'm not just hanging out till I die. I'm not just waiting in my church with my get out of hell free card hoping Jesus comes pretty soon because it's scary out there. Because in the shaking, those who have hope will do the shaping. In the shaking, those who have hope will do the shaping. Heaven in your eyes. Heaven in your heart. Heaven in your hands. And heaven in your mind. Should we pray? I was just checking out. I had nothing else to say. Should we pray? Does your hope stand the weight of your life? What you're banking on? Is it going to see you through? I think what God wants to do this evening is distribute and administer hope to many. Some of you, God gave you a vision and a dream a calling, you might even call it an anointing, and you've lost hope. You didn't mean to. It was the fact that you began to look at the circumstances and not at the Savior, which is totally natural, but you lost hope that you could really do this and it could happen, and the Lord wants to administer, minister hope to you this evening. He's giving gifts. Will you trust me? again some of you are leaders and you're here this evening and you're tired and, and perspective is gone because you've got your head down you're doing your thing you're making it happen God says I want you to lift your head I would like you to lift your head and see the hope of heaven And some of you have just lost sight of who God is and who Jesus is. And even this evening through the singing of songs and through the preaching of the word, you've known uh, a nudge from God as he says, hey, come on. If you're in, you need to be all in. If this makes sense at all, you've got to go for it. Because there is nothing else on this planet that will give you hope that will stand in the storm. Nothing else. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. And we humble ourselves before you. We humble ourselves before you. And we ask that all over this room tonight, there will be touches from heaven, glimpses of heaven, transforming power of heaven the healing of heaven the life of heaven right now Holy Spirit would you come